Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our wonderful, wonderful guest, Deborah Olatunji. And I am really excited, and I'm going to have to look at my notes here a little bit because Deborah is just the most amazing, amazing woman. And some of her story is that after failing a biology pop quiz, Deborah wrote a book, Unleashing Your Innovative Genius, High School Redesigned, about how to empower her generation with, the, with a new educational system that caters to the growth and development. So that is just so exciting. And most recently, she just launched her own talk show. So she's the host of Voices of Disruption. So that's a podcast. It's a platform that's dedicated to inspiring Gen Zers to step into their power. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love it. And she's also one of nine board members of a nationwide youth-driven New York-based nonprofit organization, and it's called Grip Tape. And their mission is to provide youth with decision-making control, got to look at my notes here, over what and how they learn and the resources to do so. Amazing, amazing. So today, what we're going to be talking with Deborah about is about how you can turn failure into fortitude. So this is an amazing topic. And I want us to really reach out and envision and actualize uh, an education system that prepares students uh, to be civically engaged, socially aware, and personally powerful. And that is embedded and right here in our guest, Deborah. Deborah, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you both and to talk about the importance of education, especially as the landscape is changing, as new administrations are coming. I'm super excited to talk about the future of it. I know. We have a beautiful future. <laughs> I'm so excited. So for everyone who's listening, if this is your first time joining us, please, please make sure you don't miss a single episode and go ahead and subscribe to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, while you're at it, go ahead and share the love and click all five stars. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now let's get into the questions. So, I mean, I have to tell you, Deborah, what I was looking at, I was going like, oh my gosh, how much has she done? She's already packed like a lifetime into a couple years. <laughs> Amazing. And you're, you're now a freshman in college. And I, I mean, I just can't believe you've written a book. You're hosting a podcast. You're a board member of a nonprofit. I just, you know, do you not sleep? <laughs> <laughs> How have you accomplished so much? And what's the journey been like for you? I think one of the biggest ways I've been able to tap into my interest and then use those interests to pursue these different projects has been through a very supportive community. I have an outstanding mentor who I talk about a lot on the podcast also. His name is Rich Keller. And along with having a mentor that is just incredible, I've been really intentional with the friendships that I make and making sure that we're always having deep and authentic connections. And, you know, nothing's perfect. You do always have to leave room for people to grow and even to fail in their own right. But I think in having an intentional mindset towards the people who I bring around me and protecting my energy and that sense, that is ultimately how I've been able to be inspired by the people around me and to be an inspiration to a lot of people in my life. 
Oh, wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it's so important to surround yourself with that positive energy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you've built your presence around um, the American school system. What would you say the American school, the, sorry, the American school system is doing wrong right now? I mean, we could be here all day <laughs> talking about everything yeah. they're doing wrong. But I think even more glaringly in this election, something that they are doing right is civic education. I think there are so many areas in the curriculum that need to be revised, especially with the whitewashed history that we're taught every single year. I remember when I was a sophomore, I was taking world history, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, but the course was named under the guise that we'd be talking about so many diverse perspectives, you know, from different continents, not just about North America, but what I found was that we mainly focused on Europe and we mainly focused on North America and the journey to get there and America's like story. And we never really talked about other countries of interest like um, like Spain or even um, Senegal or Nigeria, where I'm from. And so I was really disappointed by that class. And then even more so when we get into the conversation of advocacy and getting engaged in our communities, oftentimes it's just under the guise of volunteering and they never actually like unpack what that means for students and so sometimes students are just doing whatever they can to get volunteer hours and not really you know connecting with their communities in a really impactful way and that's a very major loss because when students actually understand how they can make an impact there's no doubt that they're going to want to but unless they understand like what problems exist and then the tools that they already have existing from the schools to be able to have teachers as mentors or even just like using the computer lab to print out posters maybe for having a strike of some kind like these are things that students need to be aware, uh, need to be aware of and need to be supported supported by, so that when they want to make change, like it's not this big, you know, thing that only one person can do, but rather it's something you can do in a community and can do with more than one person. And then the other thing is just basic things like teaching communication skills. I can't tell you how frantic <laughs> a lot of my friends and I. We're seeing people, especially senior year, when it comes down to college admissions, because you have to learn how to communicate who you are and what your story is at only 18 or 17 years old. And when you aren't given the opportunity to even explore who you are, to have those personal development tools, then how can you expect 17 and 18 year olds to tell you who they are in 650 words? It's just <laughs> it's things like that that just it makes you really think that we're not using these four years in the best way that we can. And that's why in the book, I kind of dive into how we can flip that script and how we can disrupt education in a way that students are getting the benefit of it. And they're not just spending these four years waiting to get into college in the next thing. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree with you. And I really relate to what you're saying about the world history class. That's actually something I, I complain about a lot with people in my life. Um, I know it's different across the country, but where I went to school, we only had one year of world history and that was when I was in sixth grade. And you're right. I mean, it was it was all very much about Europe, but um, I just felt so frustrated that I only had one year to learn an entire world of history. And then all the other years of my schooling were about American history. And it, I felt like yeah. I was being taught the same thing again and again. It's like, OK, the Revolutionary, uh, Revolutionary War through the Civil War, through World War One and World War Two. And we got yeah. usually to about Korea or Vietnam and then it stopped. And then we repeat it every single year. And it's like you already taught me this. Like, I feel like. Right. There's just not very much diversity in what they're teaching. And since then, I've actually learned a lot more that I just had no idea about, um, both through college and even through reading fiction. Like I just I I've been awakened to how little I know about other parts of the world. And it's it's frustrating that that our education system can be so narrow in its focus. So I really appreciate what you're doing. 
So um, I think you've hinted at this before, but what do you think we should do? We should be doing instead for the education system. How can we fix things that we that we're seeing in the problems that you mentioned? I think one of the biggest tools that I would have wished that educators across the country would have been given the flexibility to do is to use this school year as one for restorative justice. I mean, we've just been through, I mean, 2020 feels like 40 years almost, but we've been through a year of a lot of conversations, a lot of hard conversations being had with different communities, especially surrounding race. And I think that in school, we don't even talk about it. It's just something that is like this uncomfortable taboo thing that no one ever brings up, but it's very much real in every single sector of our of our lives. You know, it's in climate change, it's in innovation, it's in technology. And unless we have conversations about it, then we can't really make a welcoming space in the classroom. And so I think I would have loved to see a more restorative push towards education in this semester. And it's not too late. You know, we still have the spring, you know, coming up and even 2021, where we're actually sitting down to have conversations with students to listen to what they have to say, to reflect on what they truly want to learn, what isn't working, what is working, and then to see what ways they've seen problems in their communities, and then inviting them to ask questions to their legislators to be, you know, in spaces where they can actually influence policy so that students don't feel like they're just going through the motions of life and that they actually can continue to add on to the conversation and to take action in a really big way. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I think that's amazing. And getting involved like that can set you up for a lifetime of being able to express your voice and take part and make a difference. Uh, And because even small things, all the small things that each person, you know, working on it together can create is amazing. So I know I've seen that in our own community uh, on uh, on different ways, you know, of like reducing waste or something. If like we all work together on all these different ways that we can recycle, then the actual things that go into a landfill are significantly lessened. I mean, that's a very small thing, um, but it's just like we all participate uh, and we can make a difference in that small way. But there's so many aspects of that, right? Uh, On every level. And like you said, having these conversations. And I think that sort of brings us back to this, how we turn failure into fortitude, which is something that you've said. I mean, I think of it as resilience, which is the most, one of the most important skills that we can learn um, in life. And the sooner and the younger that you learn it, Um, I certainly know that resilience has gotten me through the past four years (laughs) on one level, and certainly this year in particular. Um, But what do you mean by turning failure into fortitude? And how does that relate um, to this concept, uh, this desire to redesign high school? Yeah, so actually a year ago, on November 12th, 2019, it feels like so long ago, But I gave my very first keynote that I had written. Um, My mentor had advised me on it also. And I even centered some of my college essay on the idea of failure to fortitude. And it was essentially just bringing in the point that we need to focus on character development and personal development in school. And that was kind of how I was able to become the person that I am because I started to see my failures, whether that was academically or in my personal life, as things that I could learn from. And as cliche as that sounds, like... I feel like we're taught to put so much emphasis on our GPAs and our test scores. And when someone tells you that you can just use the failure as something to learn from instead of something that just weighs on you and that you have on your mind all the time or 
that is a deciding factor for where you're going to go for the next four years, it gives you the space to breathe and to fully understand that that one number isn't isn't your life. You know, it's not the rest of your career. You haven't even started your career. Like, that's the real thing that we need to come to terms with. Like, as members of Generation Z, we need to be using these failures as something that we can use in our character development because we're continuing to grow as people like every single morning it's a new challenge that we have to embrace and kind of tackle and so it's how do we see the things that affect our lives how do we see the things that are going on in the world and how do we learn from them into becoming the person that we're destined to be like how do we see who we are and then use that to work towards who we're becoming yeah Yeah. no that's wonderful because you use that in every aspect of your life um so i really appreciate your talking about uh, the fortitude, um, failure, fortitude. (laughs) Yeah, I love it too. Um, So we also want to touch on your thoughts surrounding Black history. How do you think Black history should be taught in American schools? I think one thing that we need to do is acknowledge that Black history should not just be confined to a month. Like, yes, I understand the gesture, but by by only having Black history in one month and only really talking about Black voices for February, the shortest month of the year, oftentimes what we're seeing is that they tell us about the same people every single year. And I love Martin Luther King Jr. I've written poems inspired by his legacy. I love Harriet Tubman. But there's so many people that are not in this conversation. And the message of um, equality to get to this point of even civic action and civil rights, it gets watered down by some of the aspects of the I Have a Dream speech. And we get away from what Dr. King was really talking about, and that is standing up for what you believe in, even when it requires protesting or getting loud or getting you know, angry about what's not working. And I think that there's like a codified version of these heroes, and we don't even get to see the other aspects of them that make them human. And that's the other part of it. They just, they create this pedestal of, of leaders and first, and it almost distanced black students from these people who we're supposed to look up to because they're they're characterized and um, they're seen as these perfect people instead of human beings, like I was saying before. And so one thing is definitely having a course on race, race and its implications in the United States, because I have never had a class in high school that actually talked about the impacts of slavery on generations and how that affects people long-term and even today. And I feel like oftentimes in the history classes specifically, like we'll talk about slavery, but we never talk about the cause and effect. And it's important for context because to other students are like, oh, that was just in the 1800s. But systemic racism is still very real and alive in this country. I mean, we've seen that with how people are jubilating over the fact that it's almost as if we've had a dictator that has been overthrown (laughs) because of how how evil that administration was and is. And, you know, the seeds of Trumpism are still very real in our society. And unless we unpack that in our schools and dial it back to understanding that there are so many systems that exist that are still so rooted in racism. And until we have those conversations, we can't continue to have this flowery message on what black history is because black history is talking about the struggle. It's talking about overcoming. It's talking about really pushing through and understanding that strength isn't the only thing that you have to be. You don't always have to be strong all the time. And I think that that'll also give black students the mental space to fully understand the capacity of like what it means to live in this United States and survive in a country that doesn't, doesn't want you to see another day. And that's something that I think educators all over the country need to realize because it will make spaces in schools so much more comforting and so much more open to what black students have to say. No, I, I, I so passionately agree because not just a people of all races, you know, that we should be looking at their history and contribution in every phase, 
Um, I, I, when I was in grade school, I wrote a report on Booker T. Washington, and it always really stayed with me. And so that I that idea that there's these amazing individuals, men and women of every different shade, um, uh, have been there, and they've been working uh, to lift us up as well. And to your point, having these conversations about what it means and what those that those feelings are, you know, I know that that's something we all have to question ourselves on and really dig down deep to look at these types of ingrained prejudice that we may not even be consciously aware of and that we need to have the conversation so that we can bring them to light. Because when you you shine a bright light on something, it allows you to dispel it and to strive for something better and to make a change. So I think that is very important that we incorporate that in every aspect, certainly in our the history and how we study that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I've actually been reading a lot about um, anti-racism and black history a lot, especially this year. And and it's so true, like we don't really talk about the repercussions of slavery. Like I, I feel like the way it's taught, we pretend that, oh, that happened in, you know, until the 1800s and it stopped and everything's good now, but it's not. <laughs> and the repercussions are very real. And I think it's important that we learn that and talk about that and don't shy away from it as though, oh, it's difficult to talk about. We need to have difficult conversations. So um, switching gears a little bit again, um, you started a podcast. Uh, why did you decide to start one? And what is the Voices of Disruption podcast about? Honestly, I wanted to start a podcast because I realized that the character limit on Instagram was just a sign that I needed to talk about things that really mattered in a longer format. And I also wanted to give a voice to other people in my network um, other members of Generation Z who are doing incredible things. I wanted to learn more from them. I wanted to be inspired by them. And almost to step away from this idea that as a member of Generation Z, you have to be like almost, almost like this glorified picture of someone. So, you know, like when you're a young activist or even when you're working in a field of of high importance, like it feels like there's this height that people want to reach of recognition, you know, like all over Forbes, all over different sports campaigns. And that's not what activism is about. It's about coming together to really understand what the issue is and the root of it that we need to solve and not glamorizing it and becoming a celebrity in what you're doing. And so for me, I wanted to be cognizant of the people in my network and also outside, like people in their networks who are doing incredible, amazing things, who need the support from my community and from those other communities that we would bring together so that we move away from this, this heroification of activists almost and move more towards, you know, having teamwork and actually working together to disrupt the systems together instead of, you know, trying to become the cover of any magazine or anything like that, because that's not what it's about. At the end of the day, we do this work because we truly want to make change. We want to build a world that is so much more um, receptive and open and accessible to people of different backgrounds, races, religions, ideologies. And the only way to do that is by doing real authentic work. And so I looked at the intentionality behind it. I really like creating. And so I was like, this is going to be the thing that I do freshman year. And honestly, it has been a really great outlet for me in this you know, COVID-19 inspired, not inspired, <laughs> this COVID-19 yeah. affected semester because like 
you know, college isn't the same as it was in 2019 in the fall. It's entirely different. Every single day is a reinvention of what I want to create. And so like when I thought about what would be really helpful for my mental space in terms of meeting people and also being able to create, I was inspired by a coach that I have um, to create the podcast. And it has been many, many months in the making, but that's one of the biggest reasons why I started the podcast. And like I said, it's all about disrupting systems that don't work, having conversations that are usually difficult to have with people, especially on race, like I said, and then the intersections of race and gender. It's also something that I talk about as a Black woman. And um, I've just been incredibly inspired by the guests that I've had so far on the show and by some of the topics that I've been able to talk about and the creative freedom that I have to completely dive into something that I care about and to not just, you know, learn for myself and educate myself, but to also educate people who are tuning in and listening and letting me know how the show is affecting their paths to being voices of disruption. Wow. Oh, that is just, it's really, it's beautiful, you know, and, you know, you, you're talking about how you've graduated from high school, you know, and you're in college now. And of course, everything changed, I'm sure, at the end of your school year. Um, I know my daughter was graduating from college at the end. And, you know, she sort of missed that last, you know, quarter, like, right with everyone together. Um, and so now you've started college in the same way. And gosh, we've all had so many changes and transitions and yours and that timeline of your life has been intensified to such an intent, such a level. So what are, I mean, I'd love to have you tell our audience, what are three lessons uh, that you've learned, you know, from this year, this year of 2020 and how it's going to help you uh, and what you're going to bring in to 2021. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, the first one would be the power of the pivot. And I know a lot of people have been throwing that word around and understanding how to bounce back, but also give yourself rest and not, you know, set yourself up for too high of expectations in a climate like this. But I think just understanding the power of almost determining the way you want to continue with life in spite of how, you know, the situations are and then working towards making the world better, not just for yourself, but also for your community. That has been really inspiring to me because I've seen people mobilize in a really, really big way, especially my generation and especially um, black and brown youth in this election, because we see how important the world is that we are envisioning that we want. And we see, you know, we see 2020 and we see the world that we don't want, that we are living in. And that honestly is what inspires the pivot and inspires the bounce back to say, you know, I may not have had my prom. I may not have had a graduation in the way that it was supposed to be, but there's so many future events that I'm looking forward to. And I want to build towards that world so that when I do experience my college graduation, we won't be in a pandemic, you know? And when I do experience other moments that are very, very special to me, we won't have to worry about somebody not listening to science, you know, and that's, that's honestly something that's been important to me. And then understanding how to stay civically engaged, but also taking a distance for a while. I think that is a lesson that everyone can take away from this year, because sometimes you just get into that, I think it's called doom scrolling, where you're just on your social media platform, and you're going and going and going. And it's just, it's bad for your mental space, because there's no end to it. You're never going to reach an end of the scrolling and the news changes every single second. There's news, there's new news every single moment. <laughs> so it's like, you can't just stay confined to the idea of wanting to stay informed and not pay attention to your mental space because that's incredibly important. And then the third lesson 
in tune with um, having a mental space is understanding when to ask for help. I think that is always a lesson that I'm always going to take away from every single year because I learn new ways to ask for help every single month. And for last month, it was finally going to therapy. And I actually had a therapy session today after class. And it's just, it's been so refreshing to have people finally embrace the idea that you don't have to wait until something's wrong to go to therapy. And that it's just so helpful for you to have somebody who is a licensed professional to talk you through these things, to listen to what you have to say, and to let you know of everything that is right with you, not everything that is wrong with you. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with all three of your lessons. And I'm actually like, you. Yeah, I'm actually um, looking into starting therapy. I've never had therapy before, but I feel like, you know, it'd be something that would help me, um, you know, with like the self-care and and just taking good care of myself in general, because this year has definitely been a roller coaster for all of us, I think. Lots, lots of anxiety, lots of anxiety. Yeah. Um, boy, so and and to your point, so many changes and we've had to really I do love that word pivot. I've used it my whole life. Um, and I really feel that people need to focus instead on what they're giving up. Um, look at what they're getting instead, because there are things that you get in any situation that you can embrace and that you can leverage and that you can find joy in. And uh, so that mindset is really important. And I, I guess, you know, the last thing, and this has been such an incredible, incredible conversation, Deborah, and where you are and what you've already done and accomplished. But what would you want to give our audience as their takeaway for this discussion? And, you know, really, you know, to how to improve the American educational system and empower members of Generation Z. I think the biggest tip, I mean, I always leave this tip at the end of really incredible conversations like we've had just now, and it's just to invest in mentorship. There is no measure to how incredible it is and how transformative it has been in my own life. And so whether that's being a mentor or being a mentee, being mentored, I definitely think that that is one of the most powerful ways that you can help somebody who is in high school or in college in their educational journey. And then also um, if you're on the other side, on the receiving end of the spectrum, if you're receiving that mentorship, like showing appreciation for that mentor and then encouraging other people to find mentorship in their lives, because having somebody who you can just talk to for guidance, whether that's academically, professionally, personally, it goes a really long way and it helps us stay connected as a community because we're continuing to have conversations and exchange ideas and working towards progress and actually making sure that the the things that we want to see in this world are being worked on. And there's, there's, there's progress daily on those ideas. And so I would definitely recommend getting a mentor. And if you aren't a mentee, then mentor someone <laughs> and it can go both ways. I'm actually looking for some people to mentee. So definitely get into mentorship, invest in it because it's what makes our world a better place. And it, what it's what keeps the knowledge spreading. And that's how we really can step into our power as a community. Oh, yes, that's such a beautiful thing, Deborah. And I know from my own experience that um, the mentors, the other really thing they let you do is they enable you to see outside of your own paradigm and see an alternate point of view. And there is, it's just so incredible when you can do that. And I've been a real believer of tilting your paradigm and really looking around that so that you can see what's on the other side and so that you can take in 
more uh, other perspectives and that diversity of thought. And mentors really help you do that. Um, wow, Deborah, thank you so much for sharing uh, your path of turning failure into fortitude. And in, and this has been such an incredible um, discussion on how we can improve our education system. And I would I know that I know our audience is going to want to know where they can find out more about you and connect. Of course. So you can find me on Instagram at Deb underscore Alatunji. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter at the same handle as my Instagram. I have a website, www.deborahalatunji.com. And then you can check out the Voices of Disruption podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Voices of Disruption. And I'd love for you to be a part of the VODVOD. That's what I call it. It's the VODPOD community. So yeah. That's incredible. And we'll be sure to share all those backlinks uh, so that it's easy for you to um, connect with Deborah. And I just want to say thank you again. This has been such a great discussion and so informative, transformative. And for all our audience out there, if you have ideas or thoughts that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you. Uh, share your comments. You can also email us at jointheconversation at petitetoqueen.com. And of course, to stay current on all of our insightful advice and our mentoring that we provide and the breakthrough advantages, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter. And we want to thank you all for listening. What a great show. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you.